Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, right here from the happiest college on earth. No, seventh ranked. BYU, happiest college on earth. Seventh. It could be worse. It could be the fifth happiest. No, eighth happiest. Ninth happiest. (laughs) It's the seventh happiest college on earth. Right behind, by the way, if you were uh, taking notes, um, UCF, University of Florida, number six, uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, fifth, Florida State, fourth. University of Wisconsin, third. Stanford, second. Texas A&M, okay, first. You know what seems like the Happy. odd one out there? What? Aside from BYU, Wisconsin. The other one's like, oh, they're bad. Good, clim- good climates. Yeah. Like Florida Wisconsin makes like sense. I think in it's. In the middle of coldness. Like, how did but Wisconsin these, A lot of these teams, these have winning teams. Do they have free cheese? <laughs> BYU doesn't. I don't think it's about the cheese. Team. We, we don't <laughs> necessarily have a winning football team. Stanford? I mean, we win, but yeah. Stanford aren't they Ivy League though? No, oh, they're wonderful. Their yeah, I but like, I think yeah. the happiness, the BYU happy, is different. It's just we're happy, more happy. So from it's the, just a different. It's a better, more wholesome. Kind it's of. A, it wholesome. is located in quote unquote Happy Valley. That's true. That's thank you for quoting and unquoting. <laughs> yeah, I don't call it that personally. No. Yeah, but I was that's say, a good. You just quote. have to see the pollution sinking in. It probably means the, there, there's the a lot less anxiety here. Which is today's topic. There maybe is. maybe they're trying to smile off the anxiety. Maybe it's a false happiness. Ooh. People ask you if you're happy. Of course I'm happy because you don't you want happy? them to ask happy. what's wrong. Go Do away. people ask you that? Hey, are you happy? Like that seems like a loaded question. I, I Every once people, in a while people will ask me that. They would say, usually How are when you I'm doing? doing something really stressful. So I'll be like sitting there with five textbooks open around me and they're like, <laughs> hey, are you happy? I'm like... Why are you asking that right oh, now? Because you probably know the answer. So I, I'm thrilled. I apparently have something of a sad face. My neutral face oh, is yeah. sad. Face. Well, I've been telling you that for years. And the, the resting, so, the resting mad face. That's what we call it. Yeah, like I don't I, like my neutral face isn't angry. It's sad. And so people are like, oh. "Are you okay?" I'm are like, okay? "Does something look like it's wrong?" <laughs> like you, you, you look know sad. Like no, I'm when you I'm used fine. to have the 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 Tom Selleck mustache. Mm-hmm. No one could tell you were sad. I know. Or happy. Maybe I should have kept it. <laughs> the mustache hides many things. Yeah. But I'm glad you got rid of it. Well, see, because like when you have a mustache, it weighs down the corners of your mouth. So like people don't expect really? you to smile. How much does a mustache weigh? I don't know. But remember, it can hold seven times its weight in moisture, I think it was. That's gross. And it can hold, <laughs> it can hold a lady's attention. Especially if it's which her is, mustache. Which is something I definitely couldn't do without it. <laughs> well, uh, today we're talking about anxiety. A new year, by the way. Have you all made a bunch of New Year's resolutions? Because I am, I'm, I have, I have a resolution. You have a resolution. Yes. This seems very resolve. definitive. I have resolved myself to get rid of resolutions. Ah. I saw that one coming. See, I think they're a cop there out. At this New Year's party, and I had toasted, and I. S- just standing there right after, I was like, I haven't even thought about the new year. You're you're too tired. Well, you slept a lot. I slept through the whole. Break. Let's just let's just fill people in on what you did. You went to I, your family. I went to my family. I went home in Idaho. In Idaho, in Rexburg, which was quite lovely for Christmas and it's the all coldest snowy. place on earth. It not quite, but we it is a tundra and yes. How cold was it? 
How cold? It wasn't terrible, actually. Right okay, there. just give like us a number. Throw mid twenties, twenty five. Mid twenties. Yeah. Okay, that's nothing compared to like that cold snap. Yeah. that's hitting. So everyone, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, they know so cold. The they Midwest know cold. Knows right cold. now we're negative good. four right now or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's we're what here I've for heard. you. We'll warm you up today. Yeah, that'll be. What I did over Christmas break was I took naps. Okay, now. And I watched movies and I read books while laying down. Slept twelve hours, and yeah. then I slept about ten to twelve hours. This is every what night. I did. I'm so happy to be back to work because, like, I wasn't allowed to work that much. Yeah, you know, like, the, well, they like, didn't want we, you touching stuff. The whole radio station is like automated for the break, and, yeah. And there's nothing for me to do. So, so, you know, I I watched TV shows, and okay. then it was over, and I I was sad. Well, or were you, or did you just have your face that no one could well. tell if you're sad or not? <laughs> That Maybe you just sad, sad like on the inside. From his... Oh, you actually felt sad. I, I was sad on the inside, and then I was disguising it with the happiness of Christmas yeah. time. Okay, yeah, that's. Weird. I was pretty happy. I was sleeping a lot. That's well, pretty good. I'm wondering. Somebody actually, James brought it up earlier. Maybe you were just hibernating. I, you know what? I'm like all for hibernating. Bear. I think it sounds like a great plan. You apparently did it. Basically, yeah. I felt like I didn't get enough sleep. I, I once knew someone. She legitimately slept through an entire Saturday. She went to bed Friday night, and the next thing she knew was her mom waking her up like, hey, it's it's Sunday. Um, are you planning on attending church? That's a big deal. No, and she's like, that. what? What happened there's to my Saturday? Yeah. Like, that's, my weekend is yeah. gone. That's a sign that there's something going wrong. Like, that's 36 hours of sleep right that's, there. That's called a college student after finals. Is that what that is? Yes, that's exactly. That's a lot of drool. <laughs> if you, you drool if you a lot when you sleep, I apparently I do. Are you are you a big drooler? That's, I am. That's a little bit recently. Gross. I think it's TMI. Maybe it's just the Nyquil. Because <laughs> you, I get, you get a, the sickness. Over I can't the break. even. My lips are hanging down. Everything's bad. Oh well. Um, so we're talking anxiety on the show today, and not that any of us have any of it, but hypothetically. I think everyone has it, right? Because even fish have anxiety. Fish do have anxiety. That's messed up. Yeah. Like a fish. A fish. Except my daughter just got a fish. And I bet you that fish is scared to death. But Probably. fish only have like three seconds memory. How, like, okay, no, I know, it's the longest is, three seconds see, of Anxiety is more than like an emotional thing. It's also a physical thing. Yes. So, but. You ever seen a so fish have a panic attack? Yeah. Gets shaky. Yeah. Okay. Ready for this? Go for it. Because as I was researching today's topic, I was wondering what kind of anxiety was in the news. It's fish anxiety. Fish. Fish Just anxiety. Just any fish Now, or when all you fish? read that headline, you see all fish, fish anxiety. fish in the ocean. That's fish having anxiety, not anxiety about fish. Yes. Okay. Fish having anxiety. Yeah. Anxious fish. Anxious fish. So there a fish go. pulls up into a new fish neighborhood. <laughs> well, here's, here's what, what likes me? the science says. So because of higher CO2 emissions yes. and the polluted oceans, that's making the water too acidic for most fish. And so they were wondering what this does to fish. Oh. And there were some um, studies done by um, McEwen University up in Canada and some other oceanography institutes. And they tested some fish and um, they tested how fish react in Dark and light habitats. So a dark habitat to the certain type of fish that they were testing okay. is the comfort habitat. It's like they like it dark. It's your teddy bear. It's yeah, they like it dark. Well, isn't the ocean and dark? No, some, well, some the, level, the deeper no, you go, level, yeah. But so you don't want to go up to the surface. Far. So it's no. like when you get to the big city. Yeah. So here it is. So 
they were juvenile rockfish who live in kelp forests. So that is somewhere where yeah. they get light. Dark. Yeah. yeah. You can light go hang out dark. in the kelp. You have to have right. light in yeah. a yeah. Right. forest. You need, you need yes. both. You need both. But you can hang down but lower in the kelp. these in the certain fish, yes. as opposed to the control group of fish who are normal, yeah. these fish kept just like they would go find a dark space and just stay there. They were like depressed. Yeah, they were like depressed, anxious. depressed anxious. Fish. They were afraid to go out of. Did their they were they chain smokers? Spot. Did they smoke chain I cigarettes? I don't. Did they. I think that's kind of impossible in water. Uh, that's but I'm a not. Great I'm point. not. <laughs> that's a very. But the fish good. equivalent. <laughs> the, fish, the fish, whatever equivalent. the fish equivalent. Yeah. So yeah. they just they would just go to the dark spot and they wouldn't even move. They would just stay there. Would they play video games? No, they were scared. So it's not even like me watching Saturday morning cartoons no, in like my like, little cocoon of it's blankets. It's like having panic attack in the closet. They're like That's, going so to they a dark were spot and hide. And they're hiding. Did they tap their fin like nervously? You know, I don't think a nervous they tick. have. The Did they have kind a nervous of... tap? Like they're, they're like sliding a ring up and down Matt, their finger like and they're like should... smacking against the table. Matt, I feel like you should go to this institute and do. I I, I study anxiety test because I think, seemed... I think I'm asking a lot of yeah. very good questions. That's the doctor in yeah, me. Really. Um, now here here's my question. Um, did they just like need a fish hug? Because that probably, seems to be know, like the human. Like been, oh, you're having a panic attack. Been, you're anxious. You what, need a hug. What is a maybe it's fish been hug? building up over centuries because fish now maybe their fins have slowly evolved to be getting shorter, so yeah. they can't give each other. They hugs used anymore. to do. You know what? But no, you know, hugging. like in the Cretaceous period, it's, they could. It's Charlie, the tuna fish in Lilo and Stitch shark, whatever it is. What? Remember what? all? You don't remember? No. But no, I don't know what you're talking about. Fish are afraid of becoming, you know, caught and then thrown into a tuna fish can. Where okay. Charlie, the shark, I think it's a shark, tries to eat the tuna, doesn't he? Don't you remember those in the can? No, oh, they chase tuna all over. I don't it's, eat fish, so I... it's because they're afraid, like we are. Not just because people keep tapping on the glass. Because yeah. we're in a place I feel like a fish. They're afraid of death. <laughs> and people tap on the glass and they all look at us. And that makes me feel anxious. Like, yeah. why are they looking at us? Well, yeah. But fish feel it because we're eating more fish. Possibly so. Maybe. Wouldn't you be afraid? Sushi is yeah, like a I big fad right now. Again, I yeah. don't know if that... Well, you know. Do you eat you rock read the fish? Uh, now, here's another I question. I love rock fish. Rock and rock fish. In it, from kelp. I love kelp-fed rock fish ah. from kelp farms. Only kelp-fed. You're very well educated on this topic. Um, now, for living in Utah, here's a separate especially. question. Back to the pollution thing. That's yeah. Like, because because you said the pollution has something to do with it. Do you think this has like are these just fish that maybe are depressed drunks? Like somebody threw a beer in the water. No. So I think the argument they're making is it's a biochemical reaction. See, they're the feeling feel a funk because yeah. their chemistry's off. Their the chemistry's fe- off. The so like literally just like when you have an anxiety disorder yeah. and the chemistry and So the, what are they going to do about it? They're going to get on you know? fish, fish meds. Yeah, well, they the same need way you fish treat oil. a person. What they need is fish oil. <laughs> I think they had that, actually. Yeah. That's snake oil. Maybe they need <laughs> That's That's sad. And the sad thing is uh, I guess we're going to eat them. Yeah. Is that going to make us? Maybe depressed? that's why we're becoming more anxious as a society. Because the fish. Well, because we're a little antsy. The CO two, the pollutions. Anyway, yeah. the disclaimer in the article that I read was that behavioral neuroscience in fish is a relatively unexplored field. So we don't know what fish are capable of. Well, I can in, understand in that. their cognitive abilities, but that is <laughs> right now they're thinking fish are anxious. Like, you know, the, what? let's send Andrew to go find out. No, here's here's my thing because like the way they test that for people, they put them in the MRI and then they like. They, like, ask them, well, how are you feeling about this? Like, you can't ask a fish that. No. 
Well, a fish could. But if if you asked if you if you asked a, a human, how are you feeling about being squeezed into this, this little MRI machine? Know. Who wouldn't be anxious? Though? Yeah, really. Claustrophobic yeah, people, so very if, anxious. I mean, we're living in pollution. So if somebody it's, asked me, how do you feel about the Utah Valley fish. pollution? And I went into a dark corner and like hid and couldn't move. I would feel like you would know that there's a problem. Oh boy, it's sad. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's sad. It is. So we're going to be studying um, fears today. There apparently is a fear, which help me with merit. Um, I don't have very many fears. Like I'm not afraid uh-huh. of like speaking. No. I'm not, obviously. I'm afraid of dancing in public. That is, yeah. I don't know. I think they call I that think teaching that people actually to dance is a, like, this a evening. Phobia. You want to We're going to talk about that later. There's really? a fear of dancing. It's like the jigophobia. I wish. Because I can't. Because I don't know jig. if I can pronounce the other one, but. What uh, you're, Andrew's going to go teach people to dance tonight. Do you want to come, Matt? No, that uh, that Are, thought right there. Kind of there's my phobia right polka. there. Oh, polka. my Polka and a square dance. Okay. Oh. You know you just, how easy no. the polka is? There are two steps you need to know. Proven wrong. I do have a fear you do have of fear. watching Andrew teach people the polka. <laughs> that just made my heart jump Terrifying. like a rockfish in a CO2-infested, polluted You know what? Kelp you can dump. come. But I will be okay with it if you just hide in the darkest corner in the room. <laughs> I'm so, already feeling like I need to hide. But I think you were talking about the thing I wrote on your paper, right? Which is what was that? Is that paper? people feel anxious when the new year comes. Yeah, but yeah. it's because we're supposed to have. A we're goal. supposed to have resolutions, right? And but boom, see, this revolution! Is the thing. Blow it up. We're having a New Year's Rezo- revolution. revolution. No, we're having a New Year's revolution. I don't think revolutions will help people's anxiety. They usually kind of are well, unless we're re- unless we're revolting Napoleon. against Anxiety. what makes us anxious. Yeah. So, but here's the thing: so lots of New Year's resolutions cost money, which is yeah. Anxiety. Gym membership cost, not, yeah, not not free. Not free. No. Or you know, doing other things that cause anxiety. Diet. Food, food is not comfort. Free. <laughs> like stressing about food is not fun. No. Doing you know. Yeah. So. This is the thing is that I've been talking to some people and we've decided that you need to choose resolutions that you can – first, you actually have to be able to do them. Ugh. But you should think of something maybe beyond the normal scope of Like you, sleep 12 hours a day. Well, that wasn't my resolution. Oh. But – But that would work. It would. But you probably couldn't do it. No, I probably couldn't. Because you have a J-O-B. I do when I go to school. Okay, so but, we have to get resolutions that are realistic. Yeah. So, for example, one of my friends has decided she's going to floss every day of the year because that's something she can do. That's Why? A, that's classy. Why? I know. Because you, I always forget to floss. You know what? You Flossing? Floss? It's I annoying. Never, I More important floss. than brushing. If you've annoying. only got time for one, you yeah, should floss. You should floss. Flossing's for sissies. But see, she Makes knew that she bleep. could actually do that one, and it's not one that will break. You know, well, but that's so a hard broken. one. See, if I said I'm going to floss every day, that'd be hard for me. But that's you could mark that off on the calendar and say you've done it every single day. Oh, that's hard. Okay. And it only that's takes good. like a minute. Well, so it's realistic. But then your gums bleed for a yeah. day. But also, you could just think outside of the box with your resolutions. I heard of, um, a girl, and this is super applicable. She's doing what she's calling a year of fear. And she's just taking some fears that she has, and she's going to spend the year trying to defeat them in a certain way. Oh, that's I thought, cool. so she was I thought you were about... going to say every day she's going to expose herself to no. these fears. No. Like, I want to so, be terrified for a year. So, so the next she, year. one of her fears that she said was public speaking. And so, so she, she's overcoming it. She's overcoming it. She asked if she could speak in church. She asked if wow. she could speak in class. And she's that's gutsy. raising her hand. And it's something, just little things that she can do that don't really expose her because 
people yeah. speak in class. That's normal. Yeah. So, but that's just something that she's doing. So, so if you have anxiety, have maybe like this a focus. is your year. Yeah. Okay. Have so a focus. you should dance in public more often. Yeah. yeah you no. need to. <laughs> I was going to take a class on the polka tonight, but then I found out Andrew's teaching it. Yeah, that's So scary. I can't do it. So. You, well, you want to come for the square dance portion? Ah, there's my second fear. <laughs> I just found two fears, and I thought I didn't have any. Oh, dear. Okay. They have the same root cause. <laughs> Andrew. Okay, we're talking anxiety today on the show. Again, you know, most of us don't have it unless you're a rockfish. A rockfish in polluted oceans. We've, I've uh, read recently about 10% of people, human beings, have anxiety. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a real thing. It's a lot. Yeah. 20% if you're in the world of polka. Obviously. It's just scary. We're going to come back. When we come back, we're going to have a, um, a blast from the past. Is that what we're calling it? That's what I'm calling it. A rant. We are. We're resurrecting uh, our great, um, wonderful Bryce Lamar Tobin. He's going to come back and do a little rant for us. A healthy sense of fear. But first, let's take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. kids and happy new year this is the uh, first show after the new year so what what else to celebrate than anxiety (laughs) today we're talking anxiety on the show mainly anxiety for your kids you know everybody's got to get back uh, to the real world you got to go back to school the fears all those things that kind of impact us today we'll be getting in deep on childhood uh on children and anxiety but before we do that We've got to, Merritt has been researching through the archives. I've been looking through the archives. The rant archives. I was waist deep. <laughs> it sounds like a mess. <laughs> it does. <laughs> what uh, well, What did you find archive-wise? Well, you know, I was trying to find one on fear because I knew Bryce had ranted about fear before. And I found one of my very favorites that he did that had me laughing. And the premise here is that not, sometimes maybe you even have an anxiety about like, getting anxiety like clinical oh, yeah. anxiety and it's yeah. like you're afraid to be afraid yeah it's not a pleasant feeling oh that's but horrible. not all fear is bad like no. some of it's just necessary and that's what bryce is talking about here awesome look i don't want you to take this the wrong way but i'm about to rant this is the bryce is right when a lion roars in the jungle is it scary no it's just noise but when we're there and we can hear it suddenly it's scary This illustrates that fear is only a thought that we create. It's in us, not in the roar. Also, can we drop the whole lion and jungle thing? They live in the African savanna or the dry scrub forest of India, both of which are hardly a jungle. Now that I got that out of the way, the point is, fear may be in us, but fear can be useful. All right, story time. When I woke up Saturday morning, I did not think to myself, you know what I want to do today? Today, I want to fight a moose. But before we get into that, allow me to set the scene for you. An old buddy of mine just finished another lap around the sun, and we were all going to get together to have a little birthday shindig up in the mountains where we could make a fire, grill some meat, and be noisy without bothering anyone else. I'm also the guy with an SUV, so I almost get a default invite whenever we head into the mountains, because I can drive just about anywhere and transport things like 50 pounds of wood without it being an issue. The other side of that default invite is that I usually get conscripted to help out with a bunch of stuff. I don't really mind. 
We get there and we found a nice secluded spot. We used one of the trash cans to take all the wood into the wilderness in one trip instead of 20. The food's cooking. We have a stream nearby that's pleasant without being noisy. It's not all that cold. Things are pretty good. But this is my life we're talking about. And I've noticed a pattern. Anytime things are going well for more than an hour, brace yourself. Ridiculous irony is soon to strike. So the charcoal's finally burning, we finish the hot dogs, and now the burgers are cooking, and then 70 feet away, a moose emerges from the brush. Oh, come on, seriously? Of all the things in the state of Utah that could hop out of the forest to say hello and kill me, I get a moose. I mean, there's lots of deer, but they don't really mess with people. There's coyotes, but unless there were 300 of them, I wouldn't be all that worried. There's wolves, but they would need to be in a big pack to be problematic. A mountain lion could kill me, but they don't really like messing with groups. There's black bears. They're kind of a gamble. They prefer not to mess with things that look bigger than them, and at least two of us in the group were big enough to make them think twice. And besides, I could outrun everyone there, so unless the bear snagged me first, I'd be good. But of all the choices, there's one animal that doesn't care how big I am, doesn't care how big the group is, and if it wants to, it will wreck face until it feels like it's done. An animal that is known to charge trains, and get this, they don't always lose. Thanks to the ridiculous irony that rules my life, right before I get to eat some nice tasty fire-grilled burger, a moose shows up. So I see the moose and I go into situation analysis mode. It's springtime. The moose is probably well-fed, so it has plenty of energy for a murder fest. It's a female moose, so at least it isn't a bull with an attitude, but she's easily one of the healthiest-looking moose I've ever seen, probably somewhere north of 900 pounds. But my relief about it not being a 1,300-pound male is soon extinguished as I realize it's also May, which is when baby moose arrive, which could be adorable except that with a baby, mama moose have a scorched-earth policy when it comes to dealing with other living organisms. They can only be sure the baby is safe if absolutely everything is totally dead. Doesn't take me long to notice there's no baby, and it probably knows we're there because we weren't being particularly quiet, and it seemed to have a destination in mind. So after the initial alert, I thought we were in the clear. Then my idiot friends see it, and what do they do? Do they stand still? Do they avoid eye contact? Do they stop making noise? No, they do none of that. Not only do they start making more noise, they start moving toward it, and they start taking flash photography. They might as well have just walked into the forest yelling for anything with ears, please kill me painfully, over and over again. I don't know why they did this. Did they forget how easy they are to kill? You see, I have a rule. If an animal is more than half my weight, I don't mess with it. Humans live easy lives, and we're bad at killing things when we don't have a gun. Animals often have to fight for their lives they're pretty good at it. Also, they don't understand how or why to hold back, so they go all out every time. That's why I don't mess with them unless I know I have a chance. My idiot friends do not have this rule. They also lack a healthy sense of fear. Maybe it's because of their cushy lives. Maybe it was the Discovery Channel making animals look majestic while ignoring their vile, disgusting, unethical, and opportunistic behaviors. Maybe it was all the kids shows they watched with the wise talking moose that definitely didn't murder anyone, but I knew what that moose was capable of. I've been on the internet. I've seen things that can't be unseen. I know that moose may or may not decide to do a false charge. It's a gamble. Except instead of betting money, you're betting the structural integrity of your bones. And with this gamble, you're betting it all. Thankfully, the moose just kept trotting along to go take care of some moose business somewhere else. Even still, it was quite the adrenaline rush. And then everyone started getting on my case like I was the one overreacting. Frankly, I underreacted. The appropriate reaction would have been to run to my car, drive to the airport, and then once I was in the air, I could know for sure that I was safe from a moose attack. Moral of the story, I have friends that are going to end up dying stupid deaths. They were clueless but fearless, unlike me. But maybe that ruined a majestic moment that I could have just ignorantly enjoyed. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. He did it again. This moose he impacted did. you. Oh, that was me. Um, <laughs> that uh, brings back good memories. 
Yeah. Where Where is he? He's gone. I guess He's the gone. moose got him. He's I don't know. It's funny. Our biology has us wired to be afraid of some things, yeah, but not other definitely. things. Yeah. So I'm sitting there um, washing my hands in my bathroom, dripping water on a hairdryer that's plugged into the wall. Yeah, that's not a great... I should be worried. Yeah, it's true. I should be worried. But, but it's not a moose. No. Now you put a moose in my bathroom... Or even a spider. I'd freak out. A spider? Yeah. It would freak me out. But I'm just dripping water on a plugged-in air, hair condition. What's it called? Air, hair dryer. Hair dryer. Nothing. No big deal. No. Nope. What's the worst thing that could happen? Just electrocution. Possible. I also wa- I looked at a Facebook page where this it was a video of a woman feeding about 50 deer live. Oh, pouring. Did you see that? No, that doesn't sound just fun. Just pouring little piles of just, I don't know, deer Deer chum. You know, quite honestly, I fed <laughs> She's ducks last for night, deer. and it was terrifying. Yeah, don't feed yeah. a duck. I just They'll kill stay you. away from animals. See nature, but see this lady's got a huge buck coming in with a big rack, ready. To, you know, could crush this lady, and she's like feeding him out of a bag. What's her? What's going on? Anxiety. Sometimes we have it. Sometimes we need more of it just to save ourselves. We're going to be talking to an expert on anxiety, especially anxiety in your children. G. Sheldon Martin will be joining us. He's going to teach us uh, how to understand anxiety, watch the dynamics of it, and how to help your kids make it through their most anxious moments. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Townsend Show. Today we're taking on anxiety. It's a new year. We have a lot of of our children out there that have to start back up in school. You know, you may be moving, you may be uh, making some big changes in your life. And as you make the changes, sometimes it's easier for us as parents to just make these changes, but the little kids got to come along as well. And uh, that could induce a little bit of anxiety. So we've asked G. Sheldon Martin to join us. Uh, and Sheldon's a good friend here. Um, he he is a licensed mental health counselor. He's published multiple books and talks on a variety of different topics. He's also a favorite speaker at youth conferences around the country. Uh, Sheldon has a master's degree in mental health counseling and is completing a postgraduate doctoral degree from Arizona State University in integrated behavioral health. He and his wife, Nicole, are the parents of five kidlings, chitlins, what do we call those? Kitties, kidlets. Man, I used to have a really cute name for it, but I lost it. It's gone, and now it's creating anxiety. But you can find him. A great way to find Sheldon is on Facebook. Um, Sheldon, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. You uh, Okay, kids, you got five of them. How, yes. how old are your children? Uh, ranging ages from 11 to 1. Holy cow. Close. That's a decade. We're rising, raising a tribe. <laughs> a tribe a decade long. Um, okay. Anxiety, because we hear that term thrown out there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you heard, but the fish are getting it now. <laughs> now even rockfish are getting anxiety. Yeah, so I've heard. So they're they're frustrated, mm-hmm. and you know their parents don't know what to do. <laughs> if you're a fish and your fish is stressed out, your little baby fish, your guppies, yeah, if they're stressed, it causes problems. So what? First of all, is anxiety, 
from a parent's point of view, what should I be looking at? So when I'm looking at my kids, they're not – I mean there's ner- – we use other words, nervous. Mm-hmm. We use words like – I don't know. They're just they're, – they're neurotic. We throw those terms out. We throw all yeah. these terms out. They're just anxious. They're right. controlling. Okay. What is anxiety and where does it come from? And, and is it my fault? Okay. So a couple things to that. So one, there's a difference between being a little worried and what we would say would be clinically significant, the okay. level of anxiety. Yeah. So we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit between, between those terms. Uh, but anxiety – can come from genetics. Okay, so it could it could come from just the gene pool. Absolutely, grandma, grandpa, great grandpa mm-hmm. could be handed down. Can be increased. Uh, obviously, the odds. A stressor could bring on anxiety. Divorce, some situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely, and that's probably a, a an area in which we might not say is clinically significant at times. All children are going to experience some level of worry right. and okay. stress and fear. Yeah, uh, and really, the other major contributor is the thought process. The, th- the, the way they think, the cognitive mm-hmm. side. Absolutely. The so, way they process what's going on in their life. So it could be biology, mm-hmm. uh, psychology, or just situation. Absolutely. Hmm. It, but it's probably – if it is biology, it's probably my wife's biology. <laughs> Would you not agree? <laughs> it's always the other parent's biology. It's yeah. probably your – it's your in-law's fault. There you go. That, that's probably – Is that a safe thing to say as a therapist? No, not on okay, air at least right. for well, sure. You didn't say it. I said it. Okay, so keep going. So, so really what happens with, with the anxiety is this. The fight or flight response is triggered. Yep. Game on. Fight time. Here we go. And that process in which the brain is sending signals back and forth and the frontal cortex is going to calm everything down. Yeah, be cool. Be cool. And when it doesn't calm down for a long period of time, for extended periods of time, that's what we would usually clinically call anxiety. So they're having the stressor feeling of the fight or flight kick in, mm-hmm. and the other part of their brain, the, the prefrontal cortex, is, isn't, isn't clicking in and calming it down. That's it's right. Not, it's not creating another answer. Yeah. The, the analogy I use with a lot of people is if you and I were on a safari. Yeah. And the host said, hey, go ahead and walk around. Everything's fine. Everything's cool. And we're walking around and a lion stands up. My (laughs) fight or flight's going to go off. Yeah. If you and I are at the zoo, we see a lion. It doesn't. The brain very quickly processes this is a zoo. It's just a zoo. Yeah. We've got a cage here. So when anxiety is going on, usually what's happening is the lion is in a zoo, but someone's perceiving it as we're on a safari. So interesting. Because, see, if I was on a safari with you and a lion poked its head up, (laughs) I would think, you just got to stay ahead of Sheldon. Right. Outrun Sheldon. Faster than me, which is I would not say hard. take out Sheldon's knee, and I would probably <laughs> kick your knee out, hyperextend it. You'd go down. Boom. Yeah. Safe. Absolutely. And then I'd feel good. There you but go. then I'd feel bad. Later. That later. would be frontal cortex. Again. But I wouldn't feel bad till later. Right. Um, so what you're saying, though, in a way, we should be afraid of a lion. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so what the, the, the actual reaction of anxiety is a normal response. Mm-hmm. It's just then... It's quickly not normal any longer because it's not being controlled by the other part of our brain. Yeah, exactly. So it gets to a point where we call it irrational. So I get a B in a class. Maybe we could go C, D, F, whatever. Yeah. That could cause a level of anxiety for someone. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, you know, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. But if it doesn't kick into the next stage of, okay, I can fix this. I can work harder. I can talk to my teacher. It's okay. I can still go to where I want to go for yeah, school. Yeah, be cool. Be cool. If that never kicks in, then over time that can grow into anxiety. Is it a common thing? Is this, I mean, it seems like it's a fairly common phenomenon that some people just can't turn it off. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I pulled some statistics, which yeah. for mental health are uh, a little hard, bit higher. Hard, are they? Okay. Yeah. So some of the uh, the National Institute of Mental Health says that 25% of children at some point will experience at least mild anxiety. So 25% would, would experience mild. But again, it's still... I guess it's it's above it, it's normal to be anxious in a certain mm-hmm. situation. It's just you're not they're not controlling it well. Exactly. Okay. And then six percent of the kind of the general children population, yeah, at some level have ex- severe anxiety. Now that's pretty high. Six so percent. That's yeah. that's pretty high. It is pretty high when you look at other diagnoses. So these sure. are the ones that they'll usually. I mean, that's where you've got to intervene somehow, or they're right. never going to move on. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Because that's the thing. I mean, anxiety could be just taking your kid to school. Mm-hmm. Ah, to then they never go to school. Yeah. I mean, it's it, then it's all of a sudden they're never going. Yeah, exactly. It, it manifests itself in so many different ways. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask, well, how do I know when it's yeah. too much? Or there's a lot of with children, I would look for behavioral symptoms, especially. Everyone's going to have feelings. And it's hard for children to talk about right. feelings. You mentioned school. If they're calling home every single day, if they just can't go to school, probably going to need an intervention. Something to help them move this along uh, would be some kind of common things to look for. And the intervention could be just get a good counselor. Yeah. It could be good, a good counselor uh, at times, you know, could be uh, an intervention with medication. Yeah. Um, at times could be just the parent going and reading some books or getting some resources to figure out how to help the child cope with yeah. this. But uh, working through that for sure if, if it's causing a lot of harm in their life. What if you just decide instead to just give them a, a good pump-up, rah-rah speech? Because I know with my kids, they like a good speech. Mm-hmm. So, so I like to sit them down and say, hey, come on, be a man. <laughs> uh, all the cool people go to, go to school. And then you kind of guilt them. Yeah. So that's what we do is we, we think they're just being a wuss. But this isn't a kid just being a wuss. If they have anxiety, right. they really feel – they're really afraid. Absolutely. And there's, there's always a fear involved. I'm yeah. glad they bring that up. There's always a fear involved. They really are afraid of something. Yeah. And it could be irrational. But to them, it's their reality. Right. So it doesn't matter. So you're yelling, oh, you're irrational. That doesn't help. It doesn't. You know, there's an analogy that's uh, used by Dr. Uh, Nicholas Cummings, which is really good, the onion and garlic analogy. Oh, really? That's beautiful. I love says, both of them, by the way. He says if you uh, – me too. He says if you have an onion for lunch on a hamburger, you could cover it up pretty quickly, but you're going to have indigestion, right? Yeah. You're going to feel it inside. Yeah. Uh, garlic, good back. luck. Good <laughs> luck. But you don't feel it as much inside. Yep. And he divides often when he works with someone into those categories. Garlic, meaning their behaviors are really negatively – they don't see yeah. how bad their behaviors are affecting their life, and we need to, to really help them out. And the onion is really just kind of internal and in feelings. The reason I like that analogy is because sometimes when the behaviors are garlic, uh, talking doesn't work. Right. Or I'm not going to school. Yeah. Okay, let's give you a good talk. Well, they really need kind of some behavioral Yeah, they need something else to do. Mm-hmm. It's Because it's, it's really a thinking problem. If it's not biochemistry and it's not just your your DNA – Right, and it's not you know your brain not creating the right chemistry, um, and you just feel more anxious. Then it is a thinking problem. So mm-hmm. if you don't address the thinking, you're just going to always have the feeling. But right. sometimes your thinking being addressed could could minimize the feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still might they still might have the same anxiety, but now they know it's theirs to fix instead of just like I had a lady in today. 
who's been engaged multiple times, and she seems to blow up every engagement, just blows them up. Mm-hmm. And even though she knows they're great people and they're, they're wonderful, this is the guy, this is the one, but she'll just blow it up. But she has anxiety. <laughs> it's anxiety. Right. So let's not even make it about your boyfriends anymore. Right. This isn't about this. It's not about that. It's not about their job. It's, this mm-hmm. is about you feeling worried. You're worried. And yeah. you get worried with these men very easily and very quickly, especially when they start getting really interested. Absolutely. What's interesting, when I sit down with people as well, anxiety comes as a big cloud. It, it, it just comes as this feeling and, oh, it's this big moment. And this is why it's helpful to have someone walk you through a little bit yeah. to dissect the cloud and be like, okay, at what point is this happening? Yeah. And with children, it's the same way, right? It's this moment of, okay, when is school too much? Let's kind of figure out. Let's talk through it. Let's yeah. figure out because there's something yeah. that's triggering it. That's a great metaphor. And it's that could really be the job of the parent to just sit there and say, what part of this is real mm-hmm. stress from a kid that's got to put together a science fair? Right. And a mom that's constantly saying, when are you going to put together your science fair? Yeah. And when is this not stress but just anxiety, which is maybe why they're not putting together their science fair? Because <laughs> exactly. they're afraid to fail or they don't want to look wrong, look bad. Yeah. Is, I guess, perfectionism part of that? Absolutely. And so perfectionism can be it's, – it's really interesting. One thing we have to do as parents, step one, make sure that we're not – our expectations aren't unrealistic. Well, but <laughs> – But my kids. <laughs> yeah. They're different. <laughs> mine are different because mine are, mine are advanced. Yeah. My super. children have gifts. Okay. A lot of people's <laughs> children, they're just losers. But mine have special gifts and talents, and I want them to fulfill their gifts and talents for them, not me. Right. Exactly. I want them to look good for their sake, not my sake. Yeah, exactly. I hate parents like that. <laughs> I just was channeling one. Did you see me channel I, That was really good. I don't know anything about that. Like, I've never done that to my child. None of us have no. ever. ever. We uh, we don't sign them up for super things. No. Oh you know? yeah, super <laughs> league. I hate super league. I want my kids to be in the mediocre league. Absolutely, it's called city league. It's, it's great. Just, it's, it's, it's just wreck. <laughs> I want you to be in wreck. Wreck spelled W R E C K. That's right. It's um. We but we do put a lot of pressure, huh? Because we yeah. want them to be better. Like we figured out that we could have done a lot more. Yeah. So I'm going to show you how to pull your head out and do more. Yeah, well, it's so interesting. It's it's this catch twenty two with this whole thing. Yeah, we everyone we've gotten to where we are because of the failures and how we learned how to deal with them in our own life. Hmm. And somehow, because we've hit a point where we figured it out, we figure we can just talk it into or teach it before <laughs> they ever have those failures. Yeah. And it's just not the way that no. it works. It's not the way that it works. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to help a kid, you know, really dealing with that. I think it's great. I encourage parents to say, listen, put them in an activity that they're not really good at. Yeah. Why? Why would we do that? Right. To help them learn to deal with the emotion of not doing well at something. Yeah. That's the goal. Instead of, oh, we're going to be, you know, a professional athlete. We're going to be the best musician in the world. And then the parent says, I tried to do that, but my kid's good at everything. Right. And then you just kick him in the throat. <laughs> that sounds violent, but it's really not. Um, it, so the idea that getting kids need the coping skill of knowing how to fail and even feeling, I guess, the intensity, the anxiety about it, mm-hmm. and then knowing how to regulate the anxiety. Absolutely. So a big emphasis that I like to make is put the focus, the attention 
on the effort, not the outcome. That's huge. Uh, it is. And it's so hard yeah. for us as parents to grasp because a hard-earned B- minus is so much better than easy A for them emotionally. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it, it is. Because they have to deal with it. And if it was hard, we, we've learned from other researchers, when something's hard, it's a sign they're learning. Right. So, And it's a sign their brain's probably making more connections to that point. So the harder, the better, mm-hmm. I guess, up to a point. I mean, if they're going to die, <laughs> yeah, back hard. off. Back it off a notch. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, hard is good. But again, that goes against, yeah, but we need the grade. Okay, the A. We need A's because you're not getting into the next school without A's. Right. It's always that next thing. And then at that point... That's usually, and you know, not to be too uh, bold about it, that's usually at the point that they're in my office saying, I don't know what's happened. They're just shutting down. Yeah. It, it's well, the weirdest thing. Yeah. They we, used we, to be the top performer in the class. 4.0. Now they can't do it. Yeah. And, and it's really just a point where they, they just can't endure it anymore. Yeah. And whether it's sports, whether it's music, whatever the situation, emphasize the the effort. What effort are you putting into it? Oh, that's huge. Much more than the outcome. And that really helps. No, that's big. Uh, we're talking with G. Sheldon Martin, um, who is a licensed mental health counselor and soon to be a doctoral doc, doctor. You're going to be a doctor. I'm gonna Doc to, Martin. I, I'm that's gonna the only reason I went through Martin. the whole process. Great pair of shoes, by the way. <laughs> um, we're going to come back, though, with you, Sheldon. I want to talk about parents, more about what parents are doing, because a lot of this some some kids just have the anxiety, and then some are are in this system where the very system that the parents keep pushing mm-hmm. is anxiety inducing. Great. Okay, we'll be back. Sheldon G. Sheldon Martin's joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking on childhood anxiety right here on uh, Sirius XM One Forty Three BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. That's the hoedown music, which means we're coming up on the first hour. Joining us right now, G. Sheldon Martin, who uh, I love for a variety of reasons. One, he's a licensed mental health counselor. He's getting a doctorate, so he'll be in the cool club like me, Um, the Dr. Matt Townsend Club. And he's also a seminary teacher, which means he spends time day in, day out talking with these teens, these troubled little minions these cute little offspring of ours. Um, but you see, as a counselor, you see this anxiety. And we talked that it's it's kind of anywhere from 60 to 25 or 6 to 25 percent of kids um, could manifest some anxiety mm-hmm. sometime. Six percent um, are probably kind of the chronic. They've theirs isn't so situational. Theirs is just this is their lot in life. I've even heard someone say about 10% of humans are born more just anxious. It's just, they're just kind of wired. Yeah, I would definitely agree with think? that. Absolutely. I mean, and even, and then, then on top of it, you add how you were raised and mm-hmm. what, what our parents have done to us. I know. The apple doesn't fall too far sometimes. But the parents can create a lot of stress. I've yeah. even noticed with my son, when I, when I just kind of trust him and sit back and just assume he's going to get up. <laughs> a lot of times he gets up mm-hmm. and then there's other times where I literally go up and hound him and hound him. And you can, I can see I'm winding him up. I'm winding him up anxiety wise mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I'm dropping everything. Do you want to go to tardy school? Do you want this? And, and in the end, sometimes I just see literally, I wind him so tight that he goes, you use the metaphor of onions versus uh, garlic. He goes oniony and goes all inside and just shuts down. Mm-hmm. 
And but I found it's so much better to just get insight. So what I do with my son, I go in and because he, he doesn't want to go to school. Those people drive him crazy. And I think it really is anxiety. It's not just situational. But if I just turn on music, he has a piano in his room. Mm-hmm. So I just go in and start like seriously messing up a song on the piano. And he'll start saying, what are you playing? Quit playing that. <laughs> and then, But it gets him thinking. Mm-hmm. He's like intuitively, his mind is engaged now. Yeah. And then if I say less, I notice he starts recognizing his own pattern. I'm kind of walking him out of it without saying anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so important to help one, uh, whether it's a child, teenager, that they're going to start to learn to recognize when they start to feel the anxiety in themselves yeah. and to kind of label it, kind of, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm in that spot. Yeah. I'm in that zone. And at that point, a parent can help walk them through a little bit, give them some coping skills. But you're right. When they're in that kind of funk, yeah. it, the talk doesn't work. It doesn't work. Just doing something to help them get out of it. Music is helpful yeah. or, or doing something along those lines. Is Not really spanking. Good. Doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, you can intimidate them, yeah. but then, you know, I can't tell you how many kids lately whose parents actually come in and see me and they're all like, how do I get my kid to do X? Yeah. And once they just tell me what he's doing, I'm like, your son has anxiety. Yeah. You need to deal with it. You need to deal with it as something real, not just he's just not motivated. Yeah. Well, I had a mother and a school teacher. I was working kind of a collaborative with them and, uh, said, you know, his math scores were great every year. And this year, you know, the teacher said, I went and sat down, started the stopwatch for the timed times tables, and he just shut down. He wasn't Weird. able to do them. And <laughs> so they wanted to put him in a math deficiency oh, course. Man. And my thought was, well, maybe it's maybe it's anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of ways to, to, to deal with it. But we mentioned right before the break the let them deal with mistakes and, and what to emphasize. We have a motto in our family. What is it? The motto of the Martin family is do not be average in the attributes. Ooh, go clarify. So I tell my kids all the time, you can be average in all kinds of stuff. You can be average in sports. You know what? You might, you probably will be. You're going to be 5'9 like your dad, right? You can be <laughs> average in all kinds of things. But attributes, hard work, kindness, charity, hmm. let's not be average in those. You can be average in grades, but not in hard work. Right. That's cool. I now, love it. Oh, I love that. You, see, you know how many times I've said, it's not about the grades. I've said that in speeches. And parents come up to me later like, don't say that. Yeah. It's all about the grades. But what you're saying is the principles. Don't shirk the principle. Mm-hmm. If you don't get the end, we're still going to be we're going to be highly advanced in principle. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And really, at the end of the day, uh, as we get older in life, all of us start to realize that's really what it's all about. I mean, I can't tell you what my grades were as an elementary school kid, or it's just yeah. there's a point where it's irrelevant. But learning to work hard is important. Yeah, in life, and and so emphasize that, and you'll use that forever, even if you didn't do great on times tables. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like well, one that. time my son was really, you know, struggling with kind of these, these, these feelings a little bit. And my wife and I talked and said, listen, we are going to overemphasize attributes big time. We've really got to focus on it. And there was a couple of weeks, you know, five out of 10 on the spelling test. And there's that, you know, sense yeah. of, oh no. Yeah. And we just started praying. Hey, did you, did you try your hardest on that? Yeah. You know, I'm so sorry. He starts apologizing about the yeah. five that he missed. You're fine. Hey, you try your hardest. Well, it wasn't too long before the grades started going up also. Interesting. Which we weren't trying to focus on. And you didn't on. even have to ground him. Right. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, it was easy for everyone. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But the attributes, meaning the principles, and then you also said focus on, I guess it was more focus on the, I guess, the means more than the ends. Yeah, kind of the effort more than than the outcome. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason is we've got to separate ourselves from some things that we in our mind as parents feel this is an absolute. Um, Going to a certain school, they they must do this to be successful in life. Well, that's just not fair right. to every kid. That's just not fair. That's right. And uh, not accurate. It doesn't help them in the long run. And so I just think we need to stop emphasizing the things that matter least and yeah. emphasizing things that matter most. Especially because six kids later here, every kid's different. Every one of mm-hmm. my children are so different that the goals and the abilities of my third year, my third child are nowhere near my first child in that their goals are comp- they're almost divergent. Mm-hmm. So to think that I could – and their talents are divergent. Mm-hmm. Yet, interestingly, they both play piano. So m- both two of my children are known for their piano, mm-hmm. and one of them learned it very linearly, memorizing, doing exactly the way everyone tells you to do it. Mm-hmm. Very left brain, just rote memory. The other couldn't do it that way, period. But he sits there and listens to a song for a minute on the radio mm-hmm. and can play it all the way through. Totally different skill set, totally different part of the brain, and yet they both play piano. Mm-hmm. And then when we sit down with somebody and they say, oh, that's be- that, your talent's incredible, you really still need to learn to read music. Yeah. I sit there and say, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Leave my child alone. Because you can see his shoulders just drop. He knows in the back of his head he probably still ought to learn it to maximize this gift. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need you telling it. You don't even know me, he would yeah. say. You don't even know what my skills are. Right. So to go, he already knows what he needs to do. That might induce the anxiety, huh? When everyone's telling you what you need to do and they don't know you. So if you want power, know them. Show them you know them. And know what you need to say and what you don't need to say. So true. You know, it's funny. It's rare that we know our children well enough to know. There are times when someone needs a swift kick in the pants, metaphorically speaking, right? I mean, they just need some consequences. But then we also know the other children that usually ones who are anxious, they're their own worst enemy. Oh, yeah. And uh, we don't have to tell them all the things that they did wrong. They, they know they've, they've they're living in the it. prison. Right. And, and so just allow them to, to kind of grow and focus on mainly, hey, what's the, what's the attribute? What's the principle behind this? And yeah. I think that really helps I a lot. I think that's huge. Uh, we have a minute before our next break. What's, what's one more thing parents should be doing just, as they're, just to not get in the way? Okay, this one's going to sound strange. Okay, well, okay? I like that. For uh, younger, smaller children, the perfectionist, overeager, you may have to start putting a time limit on how long they can do schoolwork. Oh, yeah, because they'll never stop. They'll never stop. They'll just stop. keep looping, looping. Yep, that's where knowing our kids is important. Others, we have to say, hey, you've got yeah. to at least do an hour, right? Some, we might say, you can't go over an hour. I'm going to cut you off. I love that. And, and it, they have to stew in it, don't they? Yep. Like, I'm not even, it's not even perfect. Right, and they have to push themselves yeah. past the perfection. I, you're evil. <laughs> Shelton's evil. You're like, you, you're forcing them, get used to imperfection. Mm-hmm. Give up the illusion. Because anxiety has a byproduct. It likes, it likes the idea of perfection. Yeah. Because it keeps us from having to try most things. Because you're not going to try something you're not perfect at. Right, exactly. Well, I, or especially if I can't be perfect, I'm not going to try it. Right. What a great little trick, anxiety. So we just got to get them to jump off the high dive a couple times and it gets easier, right? Like, hey, yeah. you're going you're gonna to be okay. That's good. G. Sheldon Martin, man, you got to write a book on this. (laughs) 
Go check us. Go check him out. G. Sheldon Martin on Facebook. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. He's going to give us more insight in our parenting styles and how we should uh, teach our kids the skills to manage their own anxiety and their own anxiety issues. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can on this program to give you and your family the tools to uh, take over your life, maybe to hopefully get it back and uh, reach to higher levels of, of whatever that is, just maybe even higher levels of peace, maybe a little less anxiety. We're talking with a psychologist, G. Sheldon Martin is joining us. Uh, Sheldon is a teacher, an educator. He's also a licensed mental health counselor and is just very quickly. How soon until your Ph.D. is done? Oh, uh, you know, know how that it takes, goes. It took me six uh, years. Two years ish. Ah. So, oh, great. Hopefully so you're, shorter. you're three quarters of the way done. Yeah. <laughs> it is the uh, – it's great. Everybody should get one. Nothing better than a doctorate. And um, – but what uh, Sheldon is talking to us about today is counseling, how, how to work with your kids about anxiety. Because kids have it, about 6 to 25% of our children suffer from some form of anxiety or another. I mean, I guess of all humans, really, in the end. Um, he's already taught us some things about uh, just where we focus our attention should be on the effort, not always the outcome. We shouldn't always, I guess, be... Um, I don't know. Some of us are trying to live vicariously through our children. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty – that's so unfair. Like you screwed it up in your life <laughs> and now you want to screw it up in my life. It really it's – it's not fair. Part of it's because we think we know it. But you said earlier you can't take what you know and just feed it into their brain. It doesn't work. It's almost like they have to live it. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I'll use sports as yeah. an as an analogy. Uh, I grew up in Palmdale, California. I know Palmdale. Do you know Palmdale? Lockheed Martin. That's right. Huge My dad worked uh, for the government and that down there. Interesting. I just learned this uh, the other day. Paul George, you know, great Indiana Pacers basketball yeah. player yeah. from Palmdale. So I kind of follow him a little bit. Never played organized basketball until he's in the ninth grade. Really? Yeah. And here's the interesting thing. Not to say, oh, your children can't achieve great things and that. But we kind of have to let go of the fact. I'm like, if I control all of the variables, right. then I will produce this. Yeah. Well, you know, this guy is a great basketball player because he's six nine and more athletic than everyone, <laughs> and he works really yeah. hard too. Right. But we sometimes just, like you said, vicariously living through our children. You know, just just ease off a little bit. Yeah. Let them find their own talents, their own gifts. And well, they're then... an agent, right? They're a free agent. They yes. have the they have the agency. It's not even yours. It's theirs. Mm-hmm. And you don't you almost don't realize this till you have a teenager. Right. Like when they're younger, you can get them in a car. <laughs> and you can get them in their seat and you can even almost get them to be quiet at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when they're a teenager, all of a sudden it dawns on you like, "Oh boy. Mm-hmm. These people actually are thinking for themselves." Yeah. And if you haven't I guess if you haven't set the standard for them to think, and solve their own problems, and like you said earlier, manage their own. This anxiety is theirs. This right. isn't going away, and none of us got a blueprint for mm-hmm. how to do it. So if they don't figure it out for themselves, they're going to be dealing with it probably in unhealthy ways, self-medicating, yeah. avoiding life. 
So it's something we got to just, you know, I guess start pointing out. Like you said, what'd you call it? Um, give it another name. Yeah, label it. Yeah, yeah, say it out loud. Well, and you talk a little bit about sheltering a little bit. It is the worst thing to do with a child dealing with anxiety. Sometimes yeah. we know that they're going to emotionally react. Yeah to when they don't do well. So then parents just try to protect them. Yeah. Well, then I don't want them to try out because they might get cut. Right. Or I don't want them to take a hard class because they might get a B. That is the worst thing to do. It would be much better to have them fail in our home yeah. when they're there with us. Oh, yeah. And we're able to be there as a support system then the first time that they're experiencing yeah. failures is in the mission field or college. It's so real because you – I've even seen that. You can't tell them. There's a point in their life they don't want to hear you say it. And even if you're right – Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, then, fine, let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's let you do it, but create a space where they can – you're saying even create a space where failure is good. Like, did you try? Absolutely. And what have you tried new this year? Yeah. And that might even be a great question for New Year's resolutions. What are we going to try this year that's going to really probably blow up in our face? I, I actually – you know what? You kind of laugh at saying that. I think it's a great idea because – who is going to live life without a failure? Oh, yeah. In fact, it's a skill to learn, okay, how am I going to manage this? And really what happens with anxiety is the fear yeah. or the failure comes, yeah. and then we blow it out of proportion, and then it grows, it gets bigger. And, uh, and if we don't learn to deal with that, it's harder. It's, um, it's, I think it's something that most parents – what you might even be seeing, I guess, as a sign of anxiety is if your kids aren't willing to try things that they're not good at. Absolutely. I mean, a a child should be just curious about everything, Mm -hmm. you know, right? So if they absolutely won't go try that one thing that everyone's trying, it's, there's a little bit of things. There's something in there, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Especially if you notice that they will give it one little shot. And if there's any potential failure and that you can tell they enjoy it, but I'm done, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I think there could be a little bit there. Well, I wonder too, if that's what we as parents should be doing is letting them see us fail. I mean, I was sitting there uh, just over the holidays doing stuff in front of my kids that I know they've never seen me do, (laughs) whether it's dancing or just being silly or failing. Mm -hmm. Like my son and I were wrestling and he never thought that I I was like, if I have to get off this couch, you're going to, I was joking. And um, he's like, you're going to what? And then right then I was off the couch (laughs) and I was all over him. I pulled everything. I pulled my back. I pulled my <laughs> my hips. Don't work anymore. I was like all paralyzed, scooting across the ground. But um, they they if they can see that I'm willing to try something that scares me, and I guess too being more real as parents about what scares us. Like if I say, you know, it scares me to go try this. Mm-hmm. That makes me nervous because what if I fail? But then I I tell them I tell them that, and then I go do it. Mm-hmm. They're seeing dad in a vulnerable place. Absolutely. Well, and take it one step further with a great technique. It's kind of the old modification of the empty chair technique. Say, hey, I'm a little nervous to do this. What what do you what advice do you have for me? That's cool. Have them From talk you through yeah. what makes you nervous. Right? You have a kid nervous to go to school. Well, say, so, you know, I'm a little nervous to go to work sometimes. I really am. So what should I do? That's a great and just flips it on them a little bit and helps them forces them to think yeah. through the process. But see, as the child of a psychologist, my kids would be like, so well, I mean, are you paying me for this advice? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not, son, but I won't charge you rent. There you go. Um, good. So what are some more skills we need to give our kids? Okay, younger ones, here's a great one. So common uh, fear, afraid of the dark, right? Monsters, yeah. that type of right. thing. It can grow into lots of things. There's going to be tornadoes or yeah. something. A lot of parents will try to 
uh, talk them out of why this is not real. Yeah. No, there can't be a monster in your yeah. closet. No, tornadoes don't hit Utah. This seems backwards to people, but go ahead and blow up their fear. Because what happens is it forces them to engage yeah. their logic. Let me give you an example. I love that. Child comes in, son comes in, dad, there's, I got a monster in the closet. Almost in tears. Is this kid 16? How old is this kid, first of all? <laughs> if he's 16. <laughs> if he's 16, we've got okay. another intervention. we got bigger problems. Okay. okay. Uh, there, there's a monster in the closet. Okay. We, we uh, get up. Uh, I did this with my own son. Dad, I'm afraid, you know. Seriously? Okay, son, let's get different out of the house. If there is a monster in your closet, he's he's shocked because yeah. he's expecting me to what, know Dad? there's not. <laughs> no, no seriously, get <laughs> son, get your mom, wake her up, let's go. All of a sudden, a minute into it, Dad, stop, stop. There's not a monster in my closet. Oh, really? Oh, well, good night. Oh, wow. Right? But he does it. Yeah. Um, I, I recently had this ex- very example. It worked. Yeah, the tornado in Utah had that example. A child, I've seen it on TV. So what we do is say, no, no tornadoes could ever yeah. hit Utah. Well, then they see a movie. Yeah. It's, no, it's possible. Tornado sharks. <laughs> what was that called? Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. See, which is nothing worse than sharks flying around Utah. That's right. <laughs> and what's funny, the reason we laugh about that is – is all of a sudden is we start building it up and saying, no, you know what? Tornadoes are going to hit Utah. In fact, our whole house is just going to be blown away tonight. And just yeah. use humor. Laugh about it. They will engage and say, this is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. See, that's because that's usually where my wife steps in and says, oh, Matt, don't do that. You're going to break him. <laughs> I've got that look you know from parents. Have you ever had it's that? okay. Because it's like, no, it's no big deal. I, I do this all the time. Um, so really you're saying go with their fear and – just kind of expose it. You don't have to talk them out of it. Just blow it up. Just yeah. make it bigger, and then they'll have to deal with it and say, oh, this is unrealistic. Absolutely. It's the analogy to go along with that I use dealing with anxiety all the time is don't think about a pink elephant. Yeah. Well, it's not the way the brain works. Yeah, right. You can't do the negative. You can't. It, it, you tr- don't, don't think about tornadoes in Utah. Yeah. Well, you're just feeding the, right. the, the problem. So the analogy I use with uh, kids, don't think about a pink elephant. Think about a brown monkey. Well, it's e- the brain oh, can okay. switch thoughts, yeah. so let's blow it up and have them switch the thought. Yeah. You can't do it for them. So, yeah, there's going to be twisters. There's going to be yeah. tornadoes here in Utah right. until they hit the point of, wait, no, there's not. Yeah. There's, there is That's not great. yet. Okay. Now we can and you're giving them something else to think about. Plus, I mean, if, it is a real, if, if it's a realistic idea, like being kidnapped, mm-hmm. when you're one in whatever million of chance of a child being kidnapped right. or whatever, but- you're saying don't just try to talk them out. People are safe. The doors are locked. We've did a, You're saying more. How would you handle that one? I would do a similar thing. Now, obviously not say, hey, you yeah, know. Maybe it'll be, yeah. But I think that it's okay to using humor to say, oh, yeah, you know what? We live in a dangerous community here in Spanish Fork. So, yeah, you know, right. people are just watching over after, our. Yeah. Everyone wants a Martin child. <laughs> and they, they kind of start laughing about yeah. it, too. Because if we go the other yeah. way, we know how that is. When we get tired at night, we hear a noise at night. Oh, we know what that is. Yeah. It's, it's a robber. It's this or that. So we just try to keep telling them, no, that's not happening. Well, mm-hmm. they're going to look for evidence yeah. that it is. So just switch it on them a little it's, bit. It's just really more, it's a, it's a magical trick. It's a magician's trick. It's like sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, look over there. Yeah. And then you switch the deal on them. Yeah, that's absolutely. dangerous. Well, it makes a parent vulnerable. Yeah. That, they're afraid to do it yeah. because they're afraid that they're going to cause some emotional damage. I don't want to be so blunt, but really what we're doing is more, when we do the opposite, yeah. it's more harmful. And let's just be real. Being raised by any of us is yeah. enough emotional damage. <laughs> 
the idea that you're going to yeah. do worse things, yeah. uh, especially especially trying to create a world for them where there is no pain yeah. or there is no anxiety. So you're forcing them to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he may not just take you. He may take all the kids. <laughs> right. You may just not be the only one kidnapped. So son, let's have our last yeah. meal now. Yeah. Let's Honey, do it if now. someone's going to get kidnapped, it's probably going to be me, not you. <laughs> But it's it's uh, funny. Humor is a really great way of coping with it. Huh? Yeah, I used that analogy earlier of the lion and the in the zoo. Humor is a great way for them to help them build the zoo. Yeah, to help them see the situation for what it really is. Right. See, and that's because we always think, oh, well, sarcasm or whatever type of humor is yeah. so negative. But it's a great coping skill when, especially when you're using it to replace a fearful thought. Absolutely, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, I could, man, maybe I'm not messing my kids up. <laughs> nope, I am. Um, what else? What are some more tricks of the trade? Well, and this one, sometimes there is there are some that are so overt and so common that we sometimes forget to realize that they do work. Yeah, like what? The big three, right? Sleep. Oh, yeah. Exercise and our diet. I mean, it really Huge. does. The The sleep patterns are really important. If, if a child's going to bed real, real late and... Uh, having trouble sleeping, those things, it's going to affect their levels of anxiety. That's true for right. anyone. So someone that's anxious, we know that. Oh, yeah. Um, so setting up a routine, you know, is, is very helpful. All those things that we know, lights down earlier in the, the yeah. evening, that'll help be helpful. Technology off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, I mean, I was just noticing over the holidays, kids will just keep going. If yeah. we don't say anything, <laughs> they'll, I mean, you'd think they just get, t- no, but they'll just fall asleep on a basketball. Yeah. On the couch. Absolutely. In the middle of a play of Madden, yeah, right? Just right. passing the air. Come. No. Well, and the other one, I, I tell people the diet, the things we eat, the body goes through a cycle. And uh, here's the little evaluation. I'm not extremist in this in any way, but I tell people if the food has a hard time breaking down outside of the body, then inside's going to have a hard time too, right? So freaking yeah. Twinkies and all those kinds of things, the body gets real cyclical. Yeah. And, and just make sure we're eating foods that can break down. It really helps. And if they don't know what those foods are that don't break down, just look between your seats. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. those are the things. If you can still see a French fry that's like two years old, you know, we probably ought not be eating those. Yeah, I think my children could kind of live off the land in our car. Yeah. They could go for a don't week. Don't you think? With, yeah, Everything I think so. in our car. Just crumbs. We don't even need like a storage, like a yearless <laughs> supply of storage. We just go to the truck. We go to the Suburban, take the seats out. Fueled and yeah. ready to go. Smorgasbord. Yep. <laughs> cool. That's a cool one. What else? Anything another else? one. Yeah, another one that a lot of people overlook is exercise. Some recent research has showed, it's really cool, that um, 30 minutes of intense exercise where they are um, sweating yeah. can have a similar effect as like an SSRI medication. Can it really? It really can. Now, that's not saying that, oh, we don't use medication. Right, yeah. But to see those serotonin levels when you oh, know yeah. we really get running. So that's difficult. A lot of your listeners are probably going to be in communities where it's cold. Yeah. Uh, find an opportunity to go down to the church and run them yeah. a little bit. Go into the Do gym, some. back go and find forth. A gym. Yeah, it's really important. Take them to the mall and lose them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but it's totally true. And, it, and you, it's funny because if someone's anxious, then they get depressed because they're not performing. Then they never get out. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle, isn't it? And yes, then they it is. just never... They never get the taste of that exercise. Yeah. And oftentimes when we deal with anxiety, people are looking for that magic trick, that yeah. one thing. It really isn't. It's a, it's multiple things that we have to do to manage it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people say, hey, can you do you grow out of anxiety? A, a term I like to use a little bit better is they learn to cope with it. Yeah. 
It's not – yeah, it's them. It's kind of their – sometimes it's just how they – it's just them. Mm-hmm. That's how their body reacts. They're just more anxious. Yep. But, so you're saying learn the skills to cope with it, not just hope it goes away, not just drug it away necessarily. I mean if you have to give it meds, yeah. you can give it meds. But maybe that's not – maybe there's five choices before a med. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so many. A journal is very helpful. Yeah, getting it out of you. Uh, getting it out of them. Have them identify kind of the pink elephant. What is it that's bothering me? Well, what's another way to look at this? So all of a sudden if we have someone kind of in this situation and we start saying, okay, we want to look at what they're eating when they're sleeping, making sure they're exercising, uh, use a journal, help them with their thought patterns. I'm going to help them uh, think through difficult mm-hmm. situations, expose them to anxious situations, help them yeah. deal with it. We start doing all of those things and the levels of anxiety go down. I love that. And have them teach another kid. Yeah. I mean, if you can have your kids, your anxious child teach another anxious child mm-hmm. and coach them, yeah. then all of a sudden they're seeing it differently. Then Absolutely. it's then it's not an impediment, right? It's there it's just who they are. Absolutely. And like you said earlier off the air, which is fascinating, these kids that have anxiety have other gifts too. They're probably more prone to be empathic and caring. They, they, you know, they probably have a big heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What usually will happen is they have this drive to be so good. And often it's they want to be so good to help other people. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And so emphasize that skill, yeah. that gift that it's OK. You know, you need to take the pressure off yourself. What's interesting is a lot of anxious people have very realistic expectations of other people but not for themselves. Interesting. It's they're they're not, very forgiving. Yeah. And, oh, man, yeah. You they're can... not, like, aware of the, how they see themselves. Exactly. Huge. G. Sheldon Martin, uh, go check him out on Facebook. Um, anywhere else they can find you. He's got books, all kinds. Of, he has a book on overcoming pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, another book, Be Still. Um, I'm sure as he's getting the doctorate, he just has a million book ideas. So you'll have a million books out in a little while. Just don't get anxious. <laughs> G. Deal. Sheldon Martin's his name. Go check him out again. Look it up on Facebook. Um, thanks again for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate Killer it. insight. Man, hope my family was listening. Because this is, you know, it's easier when everyone knows how to do it. Because no one's listening to me. Um, at home, that is. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. We're going to continue our pursuit in decreasing anxiety in our lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about anxiety and uh, trying to manage it a little bit more in our lives, especially we've been talking about our children's lives. Um, You know, cute little bundles of joy. Then they get all anxious. Then you get all anxious. Sometimes you're anxious and then they get anxious. Then to top it all off, they won't get off those pesky little cell phones. So our own Merritt Meekham has been doing some research on what? On a disorder? You what know, is this? It's a phobia. Uh-uh. Ready? It's called nomophobia. Is that that's the fear of those garden gnomes? No, not quite, because it's a, not a G N. Okay, it's okay, a, it's just an M O M. No, and it is an irrational fear. Okay, and it's basically it's the fear of not having your cell phone. In, okay. Yeah, and the warning signs of having this would be an an inability to ever turn your phone off, hmm. um, obsessively checking for missed calls, emails, or texts. Constantly topping off your battery life so you can make sure your phone oh, never yeah. dies. Yeah, you never want it to And die. then 
like being able unable to go anywhere without your phone with you. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, my iPad is out of juice right now as we speak. Oh, dear. Yeah. Which means I don't have any access to technology. Oh, well, I have my cell phone, which I always keep fully charged for these emergencies. <laughs> so I'm obviously not a nomophobe. No. Because I yeah. would have had my fu- my iPad charged. Is that it's an, it's have, an well, iPhone, it's, it's, my iPad a charge. I mean, an i yeah. Cell phones specifically. But I know, but it seems like it could be any technology. It's true, yeah. But cell phones, I guess, is that's a problem, huh? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, between sixty-six and like seventy-seven percent of people in the U.S. like struggle with this. Really? Feel like just being overly attached to their phones. And in fact, there was this study going around a few weeks ago. My dad sent it to me. I don't know if that's like a sign. <laughs> He's trying to tell you something. Yeah, no. He said, he just sent me this um, interesting study about how people who use their cell phones a lot, it's just immediately tied to both anxiety and lower grades in colleges. Is it really? Yeah. It's It's an impediment now. It's an impediment, which it is interesting. To be a tool. I just got, I just got an iPhone. Yes, I, and, I noticed. Yeah, that. I but, don't know how to use it, so maybe that's. Well, maybe of, that's a sign that you're, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> it probably won't be a problem. But, I've already. You but know, your dad was worried enough about you that yeah, he that sent he you the sent article. Me this article. Did he send it Christmas, via your phone? No. He just sent it to yeah. your. Okay. So I need to be careful. Apparently, no. But it's interesting. I do know that some people. I was talking with my friend last night, and she's like, I get worried about myself because I've noticed that if my phone dies while I'm at school, yeah, that I feel like I don't have half my brain. It's probably a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's how I use my phone is just to remember stuff I don't want to remember. <laughs> you don't want to remember. Like I don't want to remember yeah. what I have to do tomorrow. So yeah, it's this weird balance because they're so incredibly useful. Yeah. And like I said, I just got a smartphone, which I've always had, yeah. you know, the dumbest phone possible. Yours was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, it really was. It, it was, struggled. and it had an attitude. Yeah, I didn't even get reception out of time. <laughs> but no, but it's interesting because I'm like, oh, this is useful. I have this calendar with me all yeah. the time. How cool you is didn't that? Know how yeah. cool. Have you even gotten into the apps? Yeah, I have a few. There's an app or it's two so I'll awesome. tell you about that has changed my life. Yeah, they're really cool. Have you heard of Deer Hunter 2014? I have heard of that one. There oh, we go. James, James got is it. ready. That's awesome. Uh, that, by the way, so I think people are using it to yeah. medicate, right? That's how they medicate. Yeah, but if you self-medicate, there's this great comedy skit that you can go watch. I don't – but um, this comedian is talking about how you have to be able to feel alone sometimes. Yeah. And that he just describes this experience of when he's in the car and he was listening to this really sad song on the radio. And he reached – he was about to reach for his phone to stop the sad feeling. And he's like, no, I need to feel this. And he had to pull over because he started crying. He's like, I'm just so not used to feeling this sad feeling. Isn't because I that? always have my phone. Yes. So, See, it distracts us from everything. Yeah. But at the same time, we need to remember that it's not all bad. Technology just doesn't induce anxiety. I was reading some things today about how technology can really help people with social anxiety. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and there are different ways. I mean, you can, if you're just super shy, you can chat with people online. Yeah. How cool is that? You yeah. can make you connections can get a date. that can prepare you to have face-to-face right. connections. You can buy a wife. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's not that's oh. generally found yeah, in other countries. No. Yeah. But, and another one that I thought was interesting was just uh, somebody who has social phobia was nervous to go to restaurants or places because they didn't know the menu or they didn't know how they yeah. should dress. They can look that's it up cool. online. Oh, yeah. I mean, how cool is that? That's really cool. I love that. So, 
Well, yeah. and it's and it. I guess too. Know if you have a an anxiety issue, and don't let that become the crutch. Yeah, right? don't let it become the crutch. Use right. it for your advantage. I love it. So. See that Facebook? There you have it. <laughs> That's how Facebook was created. That's how every dating site. Come on. And then it just turned out. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to take a break. We're coming back. Julie Nelson's going to be joining us. She's going to give us some techniques, more techniques on uh, how to manage anxiety in your life. And then I think we're going to get to some strange phobias. Apparently, one phobia, nomophobia, fear of not having your phone around. Apparently, there's some other phobias we need to work on. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. show today we're giving you solutions tools a leg up on the uh, the concept of anxiety you may see it in your family your children may be suffering from it uh who better to bring than the bomb mom the mom bomb the bomb mom that doesn't sound right the child whisperer wife mother of five children author of parenting with spiritual power julie k nelson is joining us from julieknelson.com Thanks for being here again. Yeah, thank you. Except, remember, it's reverse. It's nelsonjuliek.com. You hate that. <sighs> you hate right. that. Remember, you're always telling me to change it. Yeah, go to the website, Nelson Julie K. very complicated backwards way of saying it, <laughs> dot com. But it's still a source of incredible information. Thank you. Even though it's a little backwards. It's a little backwards, but that's how I run. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> you're the child whisperer. Yeah. So yeah. if a child has anxiety, yeah. what do you whisper? It's all going to be okay. Is that what you say? No. You no. say, have you done your homework? Because you're going to fail and never get a job. <laughs> That's right. Stuff like you're that. going to be homeless for the rest of your life. <laughs> you drive by some home. See that homeless person? That's I bet you. he didn't do his homework. <laughs> that is so horrible. That's not what you whisper. No, so we're no. trying to get out there what we don't whisper. Right, right. What are you doing? What you're doing is you're, you're realizing that the child is whispering themselves a story. It's a scenario. It's all internal. They're telling their own Anxiety story. is all internal. It's not external. Now, yeah. it could be triggered by something yeah. external, but it's all internally produced. So a child is whispering or telling themselves a story. Okay, what they do is they first tell the story. It's like, say, all right, I've heard that there's people that have car accidents. They tell themselves the same story. Oh, no, my dad's going to be in a car accident. Yeah. It triggers the events triggered. Dad goes out to the car. But then they create a bad ending to the story. A catastrophic, yeah. traumatic event. To fit okay? their emotion, to their fit fear. Their fear. So they create the fear by the ending of the story is always bad. So what happens with the car accident? Not just a car accident, but dad's going to die. Died and or maimed severely. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm going to be fatherless. <laughs> so then they start having these psychosomatic you know, anxiety disorders. Yeah. They start having, you know, like shallow breathing. They start, you know, breathing, you know, yeah. labored. They have... Sweat. Sweats. Yeah. They, their heart palpitates. Um, and so they start crying. They don't want dad to leave. They start hanging on his leg. Don't go. You're going yes. to die. So this is all the story that's going on in their head. So you just got to fix the story. That's right. And it's not helpful to say you're going to be homeless someday. Though. Yeah, no, don't no, see because no, no, no. that's just not a it's helpful not, story. It's, it's, not just, it's not helpful to say, no, he's not. Right. No, no, we don't know anybody that's died in car accidents. Yeah. It, reason doesn't happen because yeah, when you're in that fight or flight moment, like your previous yeah. guest talked about, you, reason goes out the window. 
window. Yeah, yeah. Like, Matt, have you ever flown before? Oh, I mean, yeah. when you're going on takeoff, it's not really helpful to say statistically the probability of us, you know, crashing yeah. is not great because cars on the road have a higher percent. I mean, that doesn't work for you when yeah. you're on liftoff and you're thinking, oh, no, here I go. I'm in the plane and I'm going to die. No, we. I've been struck by lightning in a plane. <laughs> Have you really? Right when we were about to land. And right then the lady next to me shoved her fingernails and part of her rosary <laughs> into my arm and yells, yells. And the pilot gets on and says, whoa, we were just struck by lightning. No kidding. And it appears that everything's going to be all right. Wow. And she dug him in deeper. Yeah. You still have the cross so right in your then, arm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, it hurt. Yeah. And then I started Permanent. thinking, she needs another story. <laughs> she needs a different outcome. So this is what you're going to tell them. You're going to not say, you know, after you, dad comes home the next, you know, that night, say, well, look, see, nothing happened to dad. It's, you know, yeah. see, nothing happens or, you know, the statistics is just not going to work. Yeah. So you have to, in the state of calm, help them tell themselves a new scenario, a new narrative, that. a new narrative. Is what and, call and you just have to get them mm-hmm. to understand the idea that it's just a story that's not working in your head right yeah. now. So, so let's, let's make up a new, a new narrative. Yeah. Okay. So the first one you can do, what I call is you turn a light on the monster. It's like you, you, cool. you know how you say it, there's no monster in this closet. So let's turn a light on it now. Okay. Let's do this figuratively. So what happens is, okay, I had his son who had a night, you know, he was afraid of things at night. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, he also had things that he was afraid of in the day. So it doesn't have to be a nighttime Were thing. they both monsters? No. The thing was at night was in monsters. The daytime, it was gothic teenagers. Well, yeah. He was afraid of passing them. So <laughs> have my, you seen so those guys? My. So what we did was we had him draw gothic teenagers on the paper. We brought it out into the Interesting, light. Interesting, yeah. And then we turned into them into cows with nose rings. <laughs> we turned them into something ridiculous yeah, on paper. Just... We, t- we turned the light on these ridiculous images in his head. Yeah. And then we said, okay, what did the gothic teenagers now say? He's like, moo. And so when he sees goths now, he New says story. moo in his head and yeah. he laughs at the image right. of cows with rings in their right. noses. So we're just, we're changing it up. And, and, you and can, anyone can do that. Exactly. Exactly. So draw a picture, you know, make That's it That's why funny. they tell people... When you're a public speaker and you and you hate public speaking, just to imagine everyone mm-hmm. in their underwear. underwear. Mm-hmm. See, but that's just gross. <laughs> so, what would be a better start? Rings with rings in their with noses. rings in their noses. Cows. Yeah, right. And say moo yeah. every time you start getting a little bit. You know, see, that's all this is is re- rewriting the story. Exactly. Okay. So number two, cool. it's the what if. All right. The what yes. if. The what if story. So, um, your previous guest kind of talked about this. What's the worst case scenario? Let's let's just uncover it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my son also had an issue with robbers. He was really afraid of robbers coming in at night. What is your house about? I know. He. I have a child I, with anxiety. I think you're feeding him too much sugar. It's at just night. the way he came. It was okay. biological. All come from my father. My his 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 it's, dad. It's the in laws. Yeah, it's yeah, in laws. Dad's side. The dad's side. Like you said, just it's check the, the data. Mm-hmm. It always is the in laws. <laughs> it's dad's side. So what we did was we. We talked about, of course, now what do we do at night? To, you know, we talk about preventative things. You know, we lock the doors. Here's the windows. Yeah. There. So, you know, do reassure them by showing them the what you do at night and and do those types of things to help them see that it's safe. But then you do have to talk about the new story. 
The news story would be worst case scenario. Let's instead of trying to dismiss your fears, oh, it's not going to happen. So if somebody did come in the house. If somebody did, let's uncover it. In other words, shed light on it again. If somebody did come in the house, what will we do? It's kind of like if if we had our house on fire, you always do the fire drill. Why not do the robber drill? That's great. You know? So what would happen if a robber came? So we did through the whole thing. The whole now what would you do? What would we do? What if he's dressed like a gothic teenager? (laughs) Exactly. That's the worst case scenario. (laughs) That is (laughs) he just yelled moo. Right. At the robber. It would be taken care of. But the uh-huh. what if scenario, I, what is that? I guess that's setting them up to recognize you can handle it. There's an exactly. answer. Because what anxiety is, Matt, is it's your brain telling you, your subconscious, you can't cope. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're weak. You can't yeah, handle you can't this. Handle this. And so therefore your body responds. Yeah, because the irony is, is if you didn't have time to teach him this scenario and mm-hmm. a robber did come in, yeah. he'd survive. Uh-huh. You know, I mean generally. But he's, he'd make it yeah. and everything would be fine. And then he'd have the answer. But he doesn't know that up front. Yeah. And so the the what ifs, and you always tell yourself the worst scenario, yeah. I can't handle this and mom and dad's going to die. So you have to think about now what steps will I make? What you're doing is you're, you're giving them coping, yeah. enabling them to have the strength and the resiliency that I can handle this. Even the worst thing, what if mom and dad died? Could I still, would I still be alive? Could I still yeah. handle this? And even walking them through this will help them say, Hey, I just threw open the door on that monster. Yeah. I think I could survive, you know? What would happen if? And then talking them through helps them to see it wouldn't it wouldn't be so bad. I love that. Cuz the not knowing is worse than the knowing. Yeah. Which yeah. is all a byproduct of their own worry. Mm-hmm. See, so, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it seems like their we problem is still the worry. So yeah. you're just teaching them rewriting coping skills. This helps for adults, too. Yeah. It's not just for kids. I love We this. do this as well. We yeah. always go to what's going to happen. What happens know? if your daughter does marry that guy that you don't like or <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So number three, fight fire with fire. Now, uh, mental health professionals or child therapists will have a child, and you've heard of this before, where they draw a picture of the image that that they're scared of Mm -hmm. or they write it down and they crumple it up and throw it in the fire. You know, that kind of thing. Kind of like your bad whatever you do that's wrong. You know, it's your New Year's Eve resolution. You were talking about resolutions before. You throw it. You're not going to do that evermore. But that's literal. Now, we can also fight fire with fire kind of figuratively. And this is what I do with my son. Okay, so. This was the images that he had at night that he just could not sleep in his room because he was so afraid of these things. Okay. So first of all, he couldn't even articulate what they were because it was so scary. He was Mm. petrified to even talk about them. Wow. Okay. So we have to bring it out in the open and say what it is. And he had to say what it was. What were those things that scared him? The things. Yeah. And then we had to then think of something else fictional. Because these are all unreal things yeah, right. that he could use that he enjoyed in life. So we talk about what did he what he'd like doing. Well, at that time in his life, he loved watching the Three Stooges. Oh, all really? right, yeah. How old is he? He was like six. That's great. But he loved the Three it's Stooges because they're so quirky, yeah, they're so funny. Each other's and eyes. And six year olds, I mean, that appeals to them, right? Wow, oh, sure. wow, wow, all that yeah. stuff. Okay, so he loved them. So we thought, okay, what could you think about in, um, when that thing <laughs> comes into your mind? He's like the Three Stooges because they made him laugh, yeah. and they, all these mishap happens. Yeah. So they could turn around with that board and knock that zombie in the head, yeah. and they poke could his eyes poke out. his eyes wah, out. Wah, 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 wah. And and so what happens? We we took one fictional thing and. We empowered that thing to fight that other oh, thing for him in his head so that they fought him, his battles for At him. At what point is that just a psychological, neurotic, psychotic human? <laughs> I mean, is it, I guess by the time you've introduced the fifth, you know, entity into your mind and you're just, you haven't left your house for a month. 
then yeah. it's time to get help. Yeah, yeah, there is. There, when you are un, not able to cope with deal real life, yeah. and it's disabling you, then we're beyond this stuff. No, but that's huge. This is, this, but he all he was doing is having trouble uh, sleeping in his room at night, yeah, or passing some goss in the street. So we deal, <laughs> we dealt with all this okay. So yeah. we, so we did, we did have him laugh at the the scenarios in his mind of what the Three Stooges could do. I mean, you could he could have picked Cath- Captain America or oh, Superman yeah. Yeah. to fight those battles for him, but the Three Three Stooges was so hilarious. But it was also from him. Mm -hmm. What's cool is you're letting his things he likes, you're not writing the story for him. No, he picked it. That's great. Yeah, I was really surprised he picked Three Stooges. I'm like, what? They're like the most incompetent three people on earth. That's why they made the story. Who? Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, she's the hair. Yeah, Charlie's Angels. Whip the hair. Yeah. That hair could do anything. Yeah. (laughs) That hair is... A serious weapon. Um, I love that. That's a great so, idea. So yeah, that worked really well. And then in his mind, he and he still conjures them up once in a while. And I have a big poster of the Three Stooges in his room, actually. Really? Yeah, they're playing golf, and uh, <laughs> bought that for him. And that, those are his superheroes. Yeah. But they're kind of silly, quirky, and they somehow drive out yeah. and, with their silliness and their inadvertent uh, pummeling the the villain because they yeah. do that in the, the villain, TV shows. Yeah. yeah, they totally don't know it, but they're whacking the thing to death. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool idea, too, because I guess in the end, um, this is about the person recognizing there's a pattern here. Mm-hmm. And the pattern is, you know, the worried thought, mm-hmm. rewriting the thought. Mm-hmm. And once they have the skill set... It doesn't. It almost doesn't matter how they do it. Whether they use one of the ideas you've taught us, turning the light on, or the what if story, or fighting fire, mm-hmm. it's just knowing that you're empowered to change the thought. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're being paralyzed by the what ifs, the the nebulous cloud out there. Yeah. But now you're putting a face on it. You're putting the face on paper, and you're defacing that thing with putting nose rings yeah, in it. Or it. you are doing the. I'm going to take control of the scenario. In the worst case, I can still deal with it. Yeah. Or I'm taking care of. I'm b- battling fire with fire. Mm. And and he still will, you know, do that in his mind sometimes and, and bring up something to help him yeah. because when he feels defenseless, the Three Stooges come to his aid. Or the other thing I've taught him is just singing a song because, of, go- of course, that's fighting fire with fire. Yeah, there's another And thought. I asked him today before I came on the radio because he's older now. Yeah. And I said, remember when we did those things because he's not bothered too much by it anymore. Yeah. He grows out of it once yeah, you give him the tools. Yeah. yeah. And I said, so what do you – he goes, yeah, you know, in fact, just the other night I did it, Mom. He said, I, I, I thought of a song in my head and the song was empowering to me. And it drew, you know, drove out. Oh, that's out. so great. So, yeah, he handles it just fine. Negative thought detection, positive thought selection. I've heard he has a toolkit. Yeah. Now he picks which one from the toolkit he wants to use. I love it. What yeah. do you do when you're married? See, this seems different parent-child when you're married to somebody mm-hmm. that has the anxiety and it frustrates you because they don't want to go somewhere. They don't want to go to the party. You never want to go to the parties. We end up getting more mad than we do becoming the the child whisper. We're like the angry spouse. Well, it's because we expect our spouse to be bigger than that. Yeah. You're grown up now. You're not a kid anymore. Yeah. And so, come on, you know, get with it. But, you know, we still have the child within us. Yeah, totally. And we still have fears of things of going to a party where I don't know anybody yeah. um, or where it might be. Going, you know, looking for a new job. Oh, my gosh, that scares the oh, yeah. daylights out of all of us. And so we have to say, what's the worst case scenario? What would happen if I got fired tomorrow? Because I'm under this deadline. And what if I don't get it? And you have anxiety. You know, I'm going to submit this sloppy, you know, project. And 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 they just create this anxiety. You know what? You're submitting the best work you can on the circumstances. Yeah. What happens if you do get fired tomorrow? Are we going to survive? Yeah. 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 What will we do? And then they can sleep that night. Yeah. Yeah. 
do the same thing. But it's the irony of it is, is you you may have a, a a spouse that has anxiety, mm-hmm. never had it diagnosed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is just seeming to not thrive. See see your your um, family practice. Yeah, you know. See, I really do think that there are people who could really benefit from a low dose oh, I do too. of of some medication, but they also need to have their toolkit as well. Yeah, or just a toolkit if they've never tried these things out. It really does make a difference yeah. in your life. Throwing the light totally. on it, saying, "What if? What's the worst case scenario?" And in your head, just having something to say, drive those thoughts out. It's a, it's it really, it's who you are. I mean, and, and it's if we don't figure out how to run it, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. You're, and especially imagine the child that's always been able to make up the story that kept them from trying anything that was hard. Yeah, there, it's eventually going to run to the, it's going to run to a dead end. You're going to get trapped. In yeah, your there's own. tigers in our life all the time. Yeah, you know, we we're going to face a tiger in the jungle. You know, at some point, you know, down the road, it, yeah. they're just they're just up there. They're going to creep up. We have to know ahead of time what are the tools I can deal. I can deal with this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do, and maybe later after if we have a break, we'll talk about short term what we can do in the moment to reduce the anxiety. These are long term. Give us something right now in the moment. Okay, in the moment, I say uh, this is basic. This is like right now in the moment. Basic, if I'm feeling and, and it. we all know this. It's the breathing exercises. Yeah. Do it though. I love this. All right. I always get lightheaded. So if I pass out, <laughs> get you ready. Now, you got to practice this when you're not in anxiety so that oh, you get good at it. Well, too late. All right. I are you relaxed, Matt? Because you have to be relaxed. I'm actually getting very relaxed. All right. These chairs are not comfortable, but you got to get in a comfortable chair. Don't fall asleep on okay. me. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So you go somewhere where you're relaxed so that you associate this with comfort. Bathroom. All right. I don't want to go there. <laughs> just don't go there. I was just, that's in my where mind, I'm, that's where I'm, I'm not most going comfortable. There. All right. Okay. So I'm thinking couch. I'm yeah. thinking beach. Okay. Beach that's with the ocean go. waves. Yeah, All right. Beach. Okay. All right. So for five to 10 minutes, three times a day, if you need to get good at this and you're not good, try, you got to practice this. Okay. Breathe in through your nose. Ready with me? Why through my nose, by the way? It's slower because that's, it's yeah. all about slow. So breathe in. And do it as slow as you can. Hold it for 10 to 15 seconds. And don't burst your brains, all right? Okay. Okay, for, okay five to 15 seconds, you hold it. Why? Why am I holding it? It's hard to hold. Mm-hmm. It wants to come out. It wants. Because <laughs> you can't talk. <laughs> now, you're going to slowly exhale like you're blowing out candles. Ooh, wind. It's like a wind. That's on the microphone. Do we have any sound effects going? This is good. Except if you hold too long, you might get light. Now, now, usually we think we're done, but we can still, after we're done, push some more out. So push even more out. And then that, act, yeah, uh-huh. this is good because it mm-hmm. goes, that opens up your mind. What you're doing deeper. is you're streaming your consciousness into a, okay, into a exercise that helps you to be aware of your body emotion, okay? And it's air relaxes you because it. You're uh, when you get nervous, you're taking in less air, right? Yeah. Well, what's happening is when you get the fight or flight thing, what happens is is that if you study your brain, you know this that the front part of your brain, with the reasoning part, yeah. totally shuts off oh, because yeah. you have to conserve energy, so the blood goes to the that's back. Right. That's right. right. Fight or back to the extremities, the, down the, to the, the limbic, the limbic yeah. system. Okay. Yeah. And so the blood goes back there, so the oxygen's not get pumping the blood to the front where we need it. Hello? Where we need we it think. to make yeah. rational choices. So what we're doing is we're allowing the time for the oxygen to push the blood back to the front yes. of your brain so Love we can it. start thinking again that's and i learned that in television yeah. training okay that because you get a little nervous right before you go on yeah 
So big, deep cleansing breath in through the nose, blow it out. And all of a sudden you will just feel calmer. Mm-hmm. You're just more centered. Part of it's because you're focusing, you're, you're right on. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And now I, you know. now. Do you I'm, feel better, Matt? I feel better. I like want to take a nap. <laughs> Julie Nelson's been joining us. She is the child whisperer. Also, the author of the parenting book, uh, Parenting with Spiritual Power. You can find that on her website, Nelson Julie K. Letter K. Letter K dot com. <laughs> Nelson Julie, letter K dot com. We're going to come right back, uh, have a few minutes to talk about other phobias. Uh, even we're going to talk about our own phobias. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That hoedown music can only mean one thing. It's time to party. It's time to have the uh, hoedown, the wrap-up of the show. Our own Merritt Meekum has been doing some research on 10 strange phobias. Do you have any phobias, Julie? None. Mice. What about I decided them? that. I'm afraid eating of mice. Them? Well, what, eating them. What's a mouse going to do to you? I'm not afraid of spiders. I am the spider slayer at my house. What, but, what about a spider, a big hairy spider crawling in your mouth? You know, while I think it's asleep. because my fifth grade teacher, our class pet was a tarantula oh. in a glass. And I walked past that thing, fed that thing. I never was afraid of spiders. Really? But no, I don't like mice. Okay. Huh. How about you? I love mice. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Mickey Mouse. I've killed yeah. many a mouse. <laughs> In my growing I up days, because I, I was the man of the house. Yeah. So they called me the mouse slayer. The man of the the man of the mouse house. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. I would I remember not I don't want to get too graphic, but I with a dustpan, single handedly, terminated the life of a mouse with a dustpan. Yeah. Wow. And that's where I learned I should play tennis. I'm impressed. <laughs> because it was a killer forehand, and uh, you know, I've literally, wow. it. literally, it was killer. literally. A killer forehand. <laughs> Thank you, Merritt. So, Merritt, uh, apparently there's people have other phobias. Yeah. I don't. Do you have a phobia? Um, you have well, a phobia. Do I have a phobia? Staying awake during Christmas. Oh, yeah. Well, one would think that with yeah. the amount of sleep I got over Christmas. Yeah. But... You have sleep apnea or something. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Slept very soundly. Yeah. No. Um, here's one that you might have, Matt, actually. It's it. called chorophobia. Ooh. And it's the fear of dancing. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah, the polka. You that you the polka. I, I am a killer don't... dancer, uh-huh. but I'm also fairly self-aware. That it, <laughs> it makes people feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I think, yeah. What's that called? Chorophobia. Chorophobia. Yeah. Okay. No. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. It's arachab. Ar- I'm going to try this Alakazamophobia. again. It's not working, my mouth. <laughs> Arachabutyrophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the top of your mouth. Never. Really? Now I feel like that's... I used to do that to milk. my dog. My dog used to have that. <laughs> but we cured him of it. He stuck, <laughs> we peanut, stuck butter a bunch of peanut butter on there. It was it's so It's pretty cute. funny to watch. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And they that. love it. And it's good for him. <laughs> and if you don't want him bark, yeah. stick peanut butter in there. I got a, I've got a dog. Give us some I'm more. I'm in a peanut butter I'm, thing. I, d- don't do it. He may have that fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's one called componophobia, which is the fear of buttons. That's messed up. I know. This sounds super weird. But She's I got actually buttons. have a friend who has this fear. Which, really? Yeah. On other like, people or yourself? Just in general. She doesn't mind them on clothes. 
But she doesn't usually have clothes with buttons, if that makes sense. She's a buttonless lady. <laughs> yes. But I was talking because she's like, no, I literally have a fear of buttons. Which I thought she was joking for a really long Not time. Not Amish, I hope. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of But, she, but I, she had her describe it to me because I was like, that is the Weird. weirdest thing I've ever heard. Nobody is afraid of buttons I've they heard, don't do anything to you. Buttons. I've heard of bunions. People that are afraid of bunions. <laughs> well, I think most people should be afraid so of bunions. So how did she describe it? So she described it as like, for example, her grandmother collected buttons. Ah, she And button so jar. she would have like, yeah, a button jar or a button bowl or something. And she described it as that when she saw buttons like that, or just mm. everyone's smiles. The fear of buttons. growing old like a grandma. Maybe. Well, or... She just felt like she would throw up. Like it made her feel maybe she Maybe she, as a child, ingested one of the buttons. You know, and that's, it, yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, that's what it. she described it as, is that every once in a while buttons. Somebody yeah. played the sick. button button who's got the button game with her. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a traumatic event. Ooh, she put it in her mouth that. to hide it and because choked she, on yeah, it. She I didn't have the button. Happened. She hid yeah. the button. She had a near-death experience. But yeah, I totally didn't believe her. But once she described it to me, I'm like, yeah. A buttonophobia. Yeah. She's just, it makes her feel kind of sick. She just hates buttons. Wow. Okay. That's that's a strange that's phobia. Super random. Okay. Are there any more random than that? Any more random? Because that's out there. There's one called calogenophobia, which is the fear of beautiful women. Oh man, that's me. Yeah. It's usually <laughs> Nothing linked to, me more to than social woman. anxiety or yeah. 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 Now the anyway. ugly women. The ugly women scare <laughs> don't me. Don't scare me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that? Funny? But but the fear of some some beautiful woman. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah, and there's also scopophobia, which is the fear of being looked at. Really? Yeah. Ah. It's like these are all ones I haven't heard before. Yeah. Which is, I think is there one for fear of being a talk show host? There yeah. should be radio. Yeah. Yeah, I should get. Or that maybe one. just fear of talk show hosts. Uh huh. Yeah, it's called talk of or being interviewed by a or radio being, talk or show. just being in the same room as one. Yeah, you mean one that's really good looking? Is that what you meant? Is that where I'm we're a, going? I'm afraid of the ugly ones. I hate ugly talk shows. Oh, that's so personal, but so oh, true. Dear. Well, this is good. Okay, this is good learning. Yeah. So I, we don't have any of these. We're healthy. No, we don't. But we also learned the skills too. If we you did. do have one of these phobias, Start breathing. if you are walking. In through your nose, out through your through mouth. Through a sewing store and you see the button aisle. Breathe in. You can do it. And you're not going to die. I mean, if you look at it statistically, very few people have been killed by buttons. So true. <laughs> but by bunions, yes. Bunions, a whole different story. <laughs> I did. I have a friend that uh, used to, her grandma had bunions and her grandma would make her rub lotion on her feet. <sighs> and she to this day can yeah. not yeah. Yeah. have feet. Fear oh, around I don't like her. That could be my fear, fear. of rubbing I other really... people's feet with bunions. Find that one, Mary. Grandma's yeah, bunion no. feet. But no, I could I could adopt that one. I have a fear of feet. I don't like that. Okay, yeah. but then just here, let me. Just, here's how you write another story: Get a handful of lotion and rub it through that foot visually. Are you visualizing it? Yeah. And breathe in through your nose. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and out through your mouth. We're here to help. That's what, that's why we do this show, walking you through one phobia at a time. Hey, thanks for joining us. Time to go bye-bye. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. More tools, more ideas to give you a leg up on this crazy thing called life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.